Welcome to the Swike Podcast, the only podcast that shares the stuff you didn't know you needed to know about jobs, careers, and life. The Swike Podcast, the stuff I wish I knew earlier. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier podcast. We're here again with our guest host, uh, Steve Jordans. Steve, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well, Lucky. How are you? I'm doing fantastic as always. And we thought we'd have Steve back and have a conversation about feedback. So, so feed, uh, Steve runs uh, Peer Scholar, which is all about feedback, peer feedback. And, and he also kind of teaches folks to give feedback as well. And when we talk about feedback, we're not talking about like the, the screeching humming sound when like an amp and a mic and a speaker <laughs> get together. We're talking about like the, the comments, the um, about performance and how to improve and get better and, and all that sort of stuff. So that's what we're talking about here. So uh, I, I love, Steve, if you chatted a little bit about uh, what is feedback to you and maybe the first instance when you either got or gave feedback, if you can recall back in time uh, when one of those instances were. The very first is, well, I, I can I can tell sort of, a, I guess, a bit of a weird story, which is an odd one for, for feedback. But there was a time when, when my father was... Um, he was part of the UN peacekeepers and he was uh, stationed in Cyprus at the time. And for whatever reason, once the family could come and, and visit. And so me and my older sisters went to visit. We were, I, I have this memory of driving around uh, Cyprus. And at one point there was a, a gentleman with a camel that was offering rides on this camel. And my okay. three sisters in, in turn, each went on the camel. And, and if any of you have seen a camel, you know, when it gets up, it gets up sort of like, uh, back end up really, really high first and then front end up. And, and I would watch my sisters lurch back one way and lurch the other way. And uh, then it was my turn. And when it was my turn, I, I was scared. I was young at the time. I think I was maybe seven or eight years old. I can't remember exactly. And it scared the heck out of me. And I simply refused. I, I had a full meltdown uh, and said I wouldn't do it. Uh, and I, the feedback that I, that I think of is I remember to this day driving away in the car and feeling my father's disappointment. So this wasn't even verbal feedback. I don't think he said anything. Um, I think it was just the way he was behaving let me know that he was disappointed in me. Uh, and to this day, I have this term I carry around, damn camel, where anytime I feel something's <laughs> challenging and I feel like you know I wanna back away from it, I can sort of feel that reaction, that disappointment in, in my father, uh, and, and I don't want to feel that again. And so it's sort of something I carry with me that shapes my behavior going forward, I believe. That's interesting. And and on a side note, have you ever ridden on a camel since then? I, I have not. To? I've not really had the opportunity. I mean, I guess I have the opportunity now if I and, and I certainly would if I have but but I do uh, equally crazy things, <laughs> maybe more crazy things on a semi regular basis. And and that I think was a little bit of the impetus. I think literally that little bit of feedback, although it was a real deep emotional, you know, kind of interaction for me, I think it did shape you know, who I became. And, and, and that's really what feedback, you know, we often talk about it being what we call formative. And the idea is we, sh we should be more comfortable having people throw out something um, and be more comfortable. You know, if we ask them to do something rather than saying, I don't know how to do something, what we'd wish is they try something, but then 
with feedback, with information from other sources about what was good about what they did and what wasn't good about what they did, they can hopefully shape their behavior and, and create a, a better product. So this notion of a, what we what might call a revisionist mindset, continually trying to improve something. That's awesome. And if any of our listeners out there want to give Steve an opportunity to ride a camel, then feel free to reach out to him. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll yeah. take you up on that. That'd that be awkward. cool. But, uh, <laughs> I, I, as we or talk Ferrari. a little more about Oh, yeah, one of the two. <laughs> As we talk about feedback, then, uh, because they're interrelated in terms of giving and receiving feedback. So if yeah. we were to, uh, or if you were to start the conversation, where would you start? Would you start more on the giving side or the receiving side? How, how would you approach that conversation? I, I actually, you know, when, when we try to formally teach this, I'm, I'm a big fan of saying start with the giving because hmm. there's a there's a funny aspect to feedback. We don't, always appreciate the emotional aspect of it. So for example, I sometimes speak to teachers about feedback and, and sometimes there's this naive view that students are just waiting for you to tell them what's wrong with their work. Like right. they're eager to get this, this constructive feedback that they can use. But in reality, um, there's something called a fight flight reflex that anytime we feel we are being threatened in any way, and that involves, includes like social embarrassment of, of not doing something well, we generally want to fight or flee um, that reaction. But what we find is that people are largely unaware of that. Even educators are kind of unaware of how powerful the fight or flee is. So I really like to introduce this to students when they're giving feedback first. And I like to say, hey, this thing exists. And, and then we guide them through a process that we'll probably talk about a little bit about how to give feedback that minimally triggers that. You're never going to completely avoid it, but at least you're going to try to minimally trigger it. And so to have them kind of engage in that and think about it abstractly first, and then to have them on the other side where we say, hey, remember that fight or flee we talked about? Well, now you're going to feel it. Once you start to see the feedback of your work, you're going to feel it. So I kind of like introducing it in the abstract and then making it really concrete to them uh, when they're on the receiving side. Sounds good. So if, if we could walk through maybe an example of how you might teach someone to, to uh, give feedback appropriately. So is there a couple of steps, a, a good acronym or something that we could uh, remember in order to do that? <laughs> I mean, this, this, this really is, I think, an important point because I think so often, you know, we have feedback within our, our education system and we're used to just giving people feedback, but we don't usually walk through, even, even with teachers, we don't teach them the difficulties uh, associated with feedback. So when we have students uh, go through this process, we've created some so-called micro-learning videos, and it's, it's all part of uh, which, what I call knowledge-informed practice. And, and what we mean by that is we want to give them the knowledge of how to do something, but then almost immediately we want to say, okay, now put this knowledge to use. Uh, and because it's really when you start using that knowledge that it really becomes embodied and, and you really get it. And so when we try to um, give students a good sense of, of the challenge of feedback, we really hit on a couple things. So I'm going to mention a, a psychology theory called self-determination theory. And it says if you want anybody to embrace anything, to become engaged in anything, there's three needs you have to meet. The first one is autonomy. They have to be doing it because they see value, like they want to be doing, not because somebody's telling them to do that. Uh, we've seen this with the vaccine mandate, by the way. What happens when you violate sure. autonomy, when you 
push someone to do something, suddenly they don't want to do it. Um, and so we always have a video that tries to explain to students, here's the value of learning to be a good feedback giver. This is what's in it for you, how it's going to result in more success in your life. Uh, and so that's to get their buy-in, um, the sort of why. Why are you doing this? Uh, but then we work on the second factor, which is competence. So often, the people who give feedback don't know how to do it well. They don't understand the challenge, and that's the first next thing we do. Here's the challenge of giving feedback, and here's why it's difficult. Uh, and let me throw this example out to your listeners, because sometimes people say, is it really? I don't know if I believe this fight or flee. And so I like to say the following. Imagine you're at your workplace and you're, you're getting an award and they're going to have a, an evening where they're going to highlight you and the award you, you've gotten. So you're looking forward to this. And they said you can bring your significant other along. So you invite your significant other. And as you see them coming, um, you realize they're not dressed appropriately for this event. Hmm. Um, you're kind of embarrassed by the, by the clothing choices they've made. What do you do? Uh, and so once I put people in that situation, uh, I, I will usually say, well, how many do nothing? And I, I would raise my hand usually and I, you know, I would just do nothing. I would just say, whatever. Uh, I'm not going to say a word. Um, those who do say they would say something, I say, would you be careful with your words? And invariably, they're like, yes, I would be very careful. And, and I say, well, why would you be very careful? And they would say, well, because if I don't say it right, the person's going to say, just go to your stupid event by yourself. I didn't want to go with you anyway, <laughs> whatever. You know, that's right. how easy it is to trigger the fight flight. When you criticize somebody at all, even just the clothes they're wearing to an event, that can be enough to, to produce this sort of reaction. And so yeah. students and educators need to understand that. And then with that as context, we say, okay, here are five or six tips about how to present your feedback in a way that hopefully won't trigger that phenomenon too much. And so we kind of put students through all of these videos and then we say, okay, now look at say six of your peers work and it's all anonymous. It's all randomly selected and basically do that. Give them positive feedback, which we haven't talked about too much yet. I've really been focusing on constructive, but give them some positive feedback, mm -hmm. highlight something good about what they did, but then everything you just learned, put it into practice, read this person's work, try to find a way it could be improved, but now communicate that to them uh, in a way that you think they will actually receive. Uh, and so when you're aware of the fight flight, now they have guidance and now they can practice those you know, five or six characteristics and, and try to give it in, in what some of us call now a socio-emotionally appropriate way. So you're giving the feedback in a way that won't make that other person angry or upset. Hopefully they'll be thankful. If you do it well, they will see you as somebody who's trying to help them improve. And that's, that's the ultimate goal. That's amazing. So on that, you mentioned, uh, three things. So there's autonomy, competency, and yes. a third one? Or do we the third one? one is relatedness. So relatedness okay. means, and, and you can imagine this, you know, if, if it's your karate group or whatever as well, you know, you have to be there because you want to be there. You have to feel some level of competence. This is why they give you instruction before they ask you to do something. So you kind of know what to do, mm -hmm. but you also want to feel like you're a part of a cohort that, that these people you're with are, are learning with you. And, and there's a sort of connection amongst the learning group. And we don't specifically uh, include that in the instruction that we give because it's more part naturally of the process. Our process is mm -hmm. students helping each other 
improve their work before the professor sees it. Uh, and so, you know, literally by having five or six peers say, hey, here's how I think your work could be better. We're kind of building up that sort of pro-social nature where students are helping students. And we have shown in some of our research that that, that increases the, the sense of community uh, especially in large and online classes. So if it's one of these ones where you feel like you're just you know, one person amongst a bunch in a class, sure. as soon as you get in this atmosphere where you're starting to help each other improve the work, that makes you feel more connected to your fellow peers. So that enhances relatedness. So autonomy, competence, and relatedness are the three pillars of, of self-determination theory. That's awesome. And then you mentioned like five or six, six tips to so that not to trigger and, and, and a couple of videos uh, th that are there. So uh, obviously we'll try to link to those. Are they available publicly that they can access? Yeah, videos.peerscholar.com um, has those videos that we use when we guide people through feedback. And it has other videos too, for example, when we ask them to work as teams. Um, that's something that we often do as educators, but we don't, again, instruct and inform students about the challenges and give them strategies for how to meet those challenges. So we have some videos there like that as well, which would, uh, you know, welcome anybody can go there and use those videos as they see fit. Sounds you good. And if you were to pick your... Yes, yeah, sorry. No, I was going to say, if you're going to pick your top tip for, for them, just to make it tangible, because obviously we yeah. don't want to reiterate all, everything that's in the videos, but like yeah. to give folks t something tangible to, to, to look at, uh, what what should they do as like the top or, or your number one tip if you were to only have uh, a yeah. short podcast to teach someone? <laughs> <laughs> the most interesting tip that I think is is illustrative of, of the whole idea. I mean, some of them are pretty obvious, like like don't attack the person attack their work. I mean, attack is the wrong word anyway, but to the extent you're criticizing, make sure it's about the work and not the person. So it's not, here's what you do wrong, but here's something in your work that could be changed. But the one that's kind of cool comes from a guy named John Hattie in Australia and others. And, and they argue that in fact, the word feedback is, is flawed and that we should be thinking of it as feed forward. Uh, and the idea there is if you're trying to build this sort of revisionist mindset where, where people are continually improving drafts, then instead of focusing on the draft and saying, okay, you wrote this draft and here are you know, two or three things that I think are not very good about it. Uh, that's hard on the person because there's nothing they can do about it. They've written the draft, it's sitting there, you know, okay, you're just criticizing me. But if instead you say, okay, I read your draft and I know you're gonna do a revision. As you consider that revision, here's two or three things you could do that would make that revision better than your draft. Mm -hmm. And so we're, we're looking forward now. We're talking to the person about something they can do to make something they're going to do better. And that's immediately much more doable. Um, and it feels like you're trying to help them reach that better spot, not just criticizing what they've done. So that, that concept of always instruct the, the student thinking about how you're going to help them get to a better spot in the future is a much better way. And it reduces that sort of defensive fight or flight reaction. That's awesome. So hopefully with just that little tidbit, yeah. folks will be better feedback. Well, feed forward givers, <laughs> I guess is exactly. what we'll uh, rebrand re it. And um, <laughs> I guess uh, on the other side, if, if we want to prepare folks that 
eventually they will receive some feedback for you forward or commentary or whatever we want to call it. How yeah. could we kind of prepare ourselves, steal ourselves for the upcoming onslaught yeah. uh, to be better re receivers of, of feedback or whatever yeah. you want to call feed forward? And, <laughs> and we have another set of videos specifically for that, for when they're on the receiving end, because that's where the rubber really hits the road. I mean, really what we're yeah. trying to teach students, especially in the context of constructive feedback, is that it's not fun. When, when you're doing that performance evaluation every year and you're sitting in front of your boss, you know, don't expect to feel good about what happens in there because almost any time somebody is giving you ideas of how you can improve, they have to highlight certain things that are currently not optimal. And when they do that, you will feel that fight or flight. So one of the things we tell students is acknowledge it and recognize it. So the first thing when we actually ask them questions about every bit of feedback to make sure that they don't flee. Uh, so in, in our context, you can't flee the feedback. You have to read it because we ask you various questions about it. But they are questions like, how negatively emotional did that make you feel? And you can rate it. You can let the, the feedback giver know. Um, but then you can also, then we say, okay, now try to get past that emotion and get to the actual content what was that person suggesting? Can you put it in your own words? So we try to push the student to acknowledge that the emotion is there, but then say, okay, despite that, however you feel, what was that person trying to say? And that's the core thing we're trying to teach them. And that's what we all have to learn. And, and, and we have this analogy in the scientific community all the time that when we submit a paper, it's reviewed by three other people. It is sort of the same process. They write, you know, feedback to us, basically often saying why the current paper is not good enough to be published. And when we read that feedback, we almost always think they are idiots. <laughs> we read the three and we're like, ah, oh. <laughs> it feels very antagonistic. You walk away and then you come back a day later and, and they're not nearly as idiotic. And two or three days later, they actually got some good points. And then eventually, once you incorporate their ideas into the new draft, you think this is better. And so that's the road you have to go down of, of sort of having that initial emotional reaction, but then sort of persevering and saying, okay, I'm going to try to listen to what that person said, even though it didn't make me feel good. And then when students get to that point of creating the revision, they almost always say it was worth it. That, that was cool. I like a, my paper better. I'm going to get a better grade because of listening to what those students have said. And so that's what we're trying to incentivize um, to push them to kind of learn that feedback doesn't feel good, but that it has great value if you can negotiate that negative emotional space. And, and that's not easy. It's not natural. For sure. And a lot of what you provided is uh, largely in the student context, right? Getting assignments, getting grades, mm -hmm. uh, having papers reviewed by peers and stuff like that. How does, if, if at all, does that change within like a work context? So if you're an employer doing, like you mentioned a performance review for someone else, is receiving and giving yeah. feedback that much different? Or is it, is it pretty much the same just with a, a different uh, hat on it or whatever? <laughs> I mean, I, I think it's it's largely the same story, but it's so critical in the work environment because we know that innovation and, and productivity in any work environment is often critically dependent on how well the, the members of that environment can work as a team. Uh, and, and teamwork works really well when people can listen to one another and when they are able to allow other people's ideas or other people's reaction to their ideas um, to help them shape, to get to a better place. So, so you want to start, like imagine a brainstorming session at, at, a, at a work environment. 
you know, you want to start by just getting as many bad ideas out or as many ideas out as possible. And then you start to sort of think about, okay, how can we take these rough ideas and come to something that's really good and really polished? And that does require people to be able to talk in ways where they can say negative things uh, about other people's ideas. And so, you know, there's A, the leader talking to uh, the people in, in a performance uh, appraisal situation. And there it is so important that they do it in a way that's sensitive to this other person as a human being. And so a leader that understands the fight or flee, that, that takes the time to present that constructive feedback in a, in a human and emotionally sensitive way, that's going to be a leader people like and respect. Um, and then when they can pass that down, you know, I, I really think that in a lot of business contexts, it's great to first teach the leaders how to give good feedback, but then you want to bring it right down and, and demystify it. You know, this is what they're doing. It's not mysterious. They're, they're trying to be uh, sensitive to this negative reaction we all have. Uh, and so they're using their feedback in this way. And by the way, when you guys are working in teams, you should be using this too. Uh, and the more that that can become the context of a work environment, the better the social connection amongst people will be. And the data is overwhelming um, that when you have good social connection in the workplace, when people like the people they're working with, um, then you have so much more productivity, so much more efficiency. And so it all kind of comes down to that human socio-emotional communication. And I think it may even be more critical in the workplace. In fact, in the, in the university, I think what I'm trying to do is get my students to a point so that when they're in the workplace, they have these skills a little more ingrained and, and therefore they're going to just thrive where other people, you know, might not because they're not ready to accept that negative feedback. Yeah. So it sounds like uh, whether you're in school or in work, um, it's kind of the same model where ideally starting with the leaders, the givers of the feedback, and when they uh, kind of model that yeah. behavior, then the employees uh, down the chain, their, their teams, they'll do the same thing. And then everyone uh, improves the culture. They start working uh, together as in a team context a lot, a lot better. And um, you mentioned that a lot of the stuff we've been talking about is in the constructive feedback context, but you also mentioned positive, the power yeah. of positive feedback. So I'd love if we spent a little bit of time because yeah. obviously that's very important as well. So if you can spend a little bit of time on positive feedback, that'd be awesome. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, that's something that I had to kind of come to appreciate. I think we so undervalue and underutilize it well. Uh, and so if we kind of think of it from the receiver point of view, first of all, you know, I've been talking a lot about, hey, if someone's criticizing you, you have this natural fight flight reflex. And so if we think of positive feedback, if someone's saying something good about you, there is no fight flight. Um, there's quite the opposite. There's like an open arm to embrace, you know, anything positive, we will, we will just no defense mechanism there. We want to take it in. But what's really important is that the person who gives the positive feedback does it right. Uh, and there's a couple of components to doing it right. One of it is being specific. So highlighting a very specific thing that that person did. And so, you know, what I imagine if, if I was an employer and, you know, let's just, let's just take a, a silly example for now. Let's say I had a, one of my uh, people on my team came in late on a semi-regular basis. And, you know, I would prefer them to come in at the same time. It's kind of hurting the culture and this person seems to be behaving differently. You know, I could focus on their negative behavior and, and I could give them constructive feedback around that. But another option is that, you know, when they do come in on time and that's something um, that's good, we can really choose that as, a, as an opportunity to say, 
Oh, great. It's, it's really fantastic that you're here ahead of time. That will really make the whole team feel like, you know, you're a team player. Thank you. Um, and, you know, it allows you to send that same message, but in a way that this person is much more likely to embrace because you're, you're saying something positive and then they're going to want to be that more. Um, and so also, you know, let's do a, a more esoteric example. Let's say you have a team member that you know is smart, but they're very introverted. And when you're having brainstorming sessions or something, they tend to sit quietly in the back and, and you would love to know what's on their mind because you suspect they have some good ideas. You should just wait for that person to once, you know, open their mouth and say something. Um, and, and then, you know, after that meeting, if you're, if you're a leader to just take them aside and say, Hey, that was really great. What you said there. Um, I, I would, I, I think that added a lot of value to the discussion. Fantastic. Thank you. That will be the best way to make them feel more comfortable doing that in the future. So you want to be very specific, but you also don't want to go overboard. It's, it's a question, it's sort of like right. salt, <laughs> positive feedback. You know, if you start giving everybody positive feedback all the time over every beneficial thing, sure. you, it'll just be a sort of a ploy that you're using. Positive feedback is more impressive when it's distinct, when, when it's something, mm. you know, like literally you pulling that person aside and saying, I really want to communicate this, this to you. Um, then, then it really stands out and that person says, wow, they must've really seen this in me. And, and therefore I want to continue to do that. So I think, a, you know, a good leader, um, of any, at any level in a team thinks about when are my opportunities to use positive feedback? What are the things I would like my team to be doing that they're not doing and almost have these ready. If I see somebody do that, okay, I want to use that as an opportunity to, to praise that behavior. Um, and that will bring it out more in that person, but also probably in the others who see it as well. Um, it'll show them that's something I value. Uh, and, it's, and it's got the positive vibes to it, not that sort of fight flight kind of vibe to it. For sure. It reminds me of the quote, uh, something to the effect of what you appreciate, appreciates. So obviously, if they acknowledge the great behavior of, of speaking, then then it grows. <laughs> and yep. hopefully it fosters more of that behavior as, as well. Um, yep. So you mentioned for positive feedback specific, are there other attributes that you'd want to kind of encourage folks to have uh, for, for providing positive feedback as well? It's, it's, it's really powerful when you highlight something that you think that person doesn't see as a strength, as a personal strength. And, and, and we can just kind of imagine this, you know, we all view ourselves a certain way. We probably go into an environment thinking these are the things I'm good at. If somebody takes us aside and says, you know, you're good at something that you probably don't even realize you're good at. Um, that just sort of adds, you know, a whole positive. It's like, it's like some new magic item we just got. Like, oh, I thought I was good at these things, but now I'm also good at something else. And I, I remember that a time when we spoke before, when, when I mentioned a professor of mine who, after reading some essays I wrote, said, you know, you are a really good scientific thinker. You think like a scientist. And I never thought I thought like a scientist. I, I knew I enjoyed these things, but I didn't really think it was that distinct from, from other students. But he said, no, no, it, it is. You, you are particularly good at this and you should consider going that direction. I felt different about myself walking away from that. And, and I do think that shaped my trajectory in life. Uh, and so I think those things, you know, if you can tell somebody that they're good at something that they already know they're good at. Say they're a good presenter and they give a presentation sure. and you say, wow, that was a great presentation. That's probably good, but if but if they do something else, like you know, come up with a great cr creative idea or something like that, and you say you are a really good creative thinker, we want you on more of these brainstorming sessions. If they didn't think they were, and now they do, 
wow, have you given them a gift? And you will see that blossom. You will see that flower. That's amazing. So uh, definitely if, if you acknowledge folks uh, with other things, because sometimes you have a hard time internally to say, okay, oh, I thought everybody's good at that. Isn't everybody good at yeah. that? But uh, oftentimes other people can see it. And if they, you get that acknowledgement, then it's a, a lot more um, uh, impactful for you. So yeah, I, I'd love if you had any kind of everyday tips that you could share with folks to improve their receiving or giving feedback? Cause, or do you have to wait for the assignment or the year end review or something <laughs> like that? Are there any things that you can do on a regular basis um, that, that would help uh, in either of those cases, either constructive or, or uh, positive yeah. or any sort of uh, aspect of feedback? Well, one of the things uh, I, I say, especially to my students, but I think it applies to everyone is there are opportunities for us to gain knowledge about ourselves through feedback that we often throw away uh, because of the fight flight, because of the negative emotionality. So, you know, uh, he here's a potential example. Let's say you were interviewed for a job that you really wanted. You were hoping you were going to get it. Um, and so you go through this formal interview pr process and you get the phone call a few days later and they say, I'm very sorry, we're going to go with somebody else. What do most of us do? We, we say, okay, thank you very much. We hang up the phone and, and we feel bad about ourselves <laughs> and, and it stops there. In, in a situation like that, you know, you just had a group of people formally assess you and they found that some other individual had some quality that was attractive to them. Uh, you know, that you didn't have, or, or at least not to the same extent, wouldn't you like to know what that is? You know, that information is sitting there somewhere. Uh, and, and quite often it's very easy to instead on that call say, you know, I completely understand. I wish that individual all the, all the luck on the job, but, but I, I would love to learn a little from this experience. And you guys just put me through this, this experience, and I'm sure there's some feedback. Is there any chance I could talk to any of the decision makers and find out you know, what it is I could do to be more attractive to you in the future. Just saying that. So, so um, I mean, there's, there's two goodnesses to that. One is if they do that, if they follow through and give you some, some feedback, then you do have that information that you can use to improve. But the second thing is you're communicating to that person who has jobs of, that you like um, because you interviewed one, that you are the kind of person that continually likes to grow. You, you, you're, you're you know, determined to become a better person all the time. And just sending that signal can you know, make a difference when that next job opportunity comes along. And maybe they think, oh, remember that person we interviewed that we didn't pick that came back? Maybe we should interview them for this position. Uh, and, and so it creates a sort of positive. You're not angry because they didn't pick you. You're, you're accepting and you're able to control your emotionality and you want to grow. And so I think that, you know, two things, taking advantage of that opportunity, but that general mindset of realizing we're not going to get everything we want. Um, I think it was Nelson Mandela's quote that I love that says, um, I don't always win uh, every situation. I either win. No, sorry. He says, I always, oh, I'm going to get this all wrong now, <laughs> but the idea is in, in any situation, I either win or I learn uh, one of those two. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, if you have that man mentality, um, it's just a really positive mentality to have. Uh, people like being around people who have that mentality. You're not as dangerous because you're not going to get mad if, if something negative happens to you. And it really will help you to continually grow and, and to be ready for other opportunities going forward. For sure. That's one of my favorite quotes, uh, never lose, win or learn or something to that. To that <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad you uh, didn't have it nailed either. <laughs> 
<laughs> not paraphrase. I'm sure there are different versions of it all around. But yeah. um, but I, I, what I took from that is uh, basically if, if there are ever those moments where you encounter kind of that fight or flight moment, yeah. uh, maybe po- if you can, pause yourself and, and follow a little bit of curiosity. Well, why yeah. do you think that way? Is there anything that I could do differently about that? And obviously that's if you can get past that emotional part because <laughs> that would be probably a different podcast on its own on how to do that. Yeah. Um, but so, so that would help from a constructive feedback perspective. And I'd love if you had maybe one tip for positive feedback. Is it just about giving everyone compliments uh, on, on a regular basis or is right. there something else that we could kind of do today, tomorrow uh, to kind of help us uh, activate our positive feedback muscles. <laughs> let me let me give you a story to think about with that because one of the things from psychology that, that's kind of interesting and it often is described in a parenting kind of point of view and so, and so I'll do one of my other sort of fun examples. Let's say you're a parent, you occasionally have friends that come over and you have a young child and, and this young child for whatever reason comes running out at one point while you have friends over completely naked. Um, now when they do that, what's going to happen? Well, the people who are in the room are probably going to laugh and, 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 you know, find it kind of funny and oh, that that's cute little kid. You might not find it so funny at the time, but this kid is going to get a bunch of, of positive feedback. Um, you're going to be rewarded for that behavior, um, by all the chuckling and all the fun that it produced. And so what's going to happen the next time you have friends over, well, if you do nothing, this behavior will probably continue. And most people as a parent say, I don't really want that behavior to continue. And so now is your choice. Do you choose constructive feedback as your approach or do you choose positive feedback? And, and so what I mean by that is you can talk to the child and you can say, I don't want you doing this anymore. What you're doing is inappropriate. Mm-hmm. And you can try to give it that whole constructive. And as soon as you do that, that child is going to feel like they're being judged. They're going to feel the negative emotions. And that's not the best thing for a parent-child bond to have too many of those. If instead you say, hey, little Johnny, I'm going to have friends over today. If you come out fully dressed, then we'll go for an ice cream after the friends leave. Uh, And so now we're going to focus on the, the positive, rewarding the behavior we want. Uh, and so now if Johnny comes out with a fully dressed, we, we reward him and we might even tell the friends, we might even give them a heads up, you know, if you could say, wow, what a young gentleman you look like, or wow, what a big boy you are, the kinds of things we know kids like to hear. Um, you give them the positive feedback for the behavior you want. And that's often much more powerful than the constructive feedback for the behavior you don't want. So if you can ever, for positive feedback, if you can ever say, hey, what's a way I can use positive feedback to undo that negative behavior? That is a much more powerful approach. It breeds um, a situation where people like each other and trust each other. And it really is about trust. Um, And, you know, whether whether you're, this is your team or this is your child, it's the sort of same notion that when you can use positive, selectively, then, then use it. Uh, it's the preferred approach. Um, but every now and then you're going to have to use constructive. Um, constructive is sort of easier and more direct. You see the behavior you don't like, you talk to the person about it, but the positive is actually the more powerful way to go. Sounds good. I think that's a good uh, wrap up for uh, a place to wrap up for our discussion on feedback. So we talked about a whole bunch of different things mm-hmm. that, uh, well, feedback's hard to receive, mainly because of our biology, fight or flight, it's, it's pretty challenging there. Yeah. Things like uh, self-determination theory uh, uh, also p- plays a role in it as well. And uh, even referring to it as feed forward can yeah. be h- helpful as well in, in order to uh, change kind of the narrative of it as well. And the more that we can move towards positive feedback versus 
versus just constructive feedback, then uh, that can also uh, improve things as well. Good uh, are there any other pieces of, of well, thank you. Are there, <laughs> I appreciate that feedback or the feed forward. There you go. <laughs> that, that positive feedback. There you go. Um, so uh, are there any other uh, tidbits that we haven't covered about feedback, about giving, receiving that, that you would want to impart on folks uh, as, as we kind of close off the podcast? Well, well, the one thing I would mention is one of the reasons we love to focus on feedback in, in our use of, of uh, the educational technology, you mentioned Peer Scholar. So we are using feedback or putting students through that process of giving and receiving feedbacks for two reasons. One is to literally enhance their communication skills, that socio-emotional communication, make them better communicators. But the other thing is, once you understand the challenge of constructive feedback, especially, if you now have to look at a fellow student's work and you have to tell them some way it could be better, in order to do that, you have to engage a bunch of the other skills that we really love. And those are skills like critical thinking. So you have to, first of all, read it carefully, which we call receptive communication. Mm. Many of us need to learn how to shut up and listen to others. Uh, and, and so we have to teach people, you know, listen to what this person is saying, but then combine that with critical thinking to find areas where maybe they could have said it better or their argument could be clearer. And then once you find those, let's call it weaknesses, now you got to use creative thought to say, well, what advice do I have for this person? Do I have any suggestion about how they could do this better? And then you kick in that socio-emotional communication. And then, then you communicate that idea in a way that hopefully won't trigger fight flight. So for us, putting students through this process, especially when you ask them to give feedback to multiple peers, is, it becomes a context where we're exercising their critical thought, their creative thought, their communication skills. And, and when it's in a team environment, their collaboration skills as well. And so for us, feedback has become a... Um, a context for creating sort of a gym of the mind where, where these skills, you know, we live in this day of chat GPT and, and stuff, and we know that the skills students need are those high level critical thinking, creative thinking, communication, collaboration. Uh, and so now this giving and receiving of feedback becomes a context we can use to really exercise those skills in the way that you would go to karate and exercise certain skills and see improvement of them. And so, yeah, for, for us, the, the, the technology is both about the feedback and the communication, but it's also an excuse to find a way to really develop these skills in students as they're with us at our institutions. I think that that's awesome. I love what you said about the kind of gym of the mind, because this is not a one shot deal where you yeah. learn it once. Uh, it's a constant evolution and uh, it just highlights the importance of feedback and, and what people dub as these soft skills, which are a little yeah. bit more uh, vague and enigmatic. But there are there is a way of improving them, going to this gym and getting better. And with better students, you have better leaders, better people. So uh, here's uh, Steve Jordan's looking to make the world a better place. <laughs> so that, that's fantastic and awesome. And, and Thanks, Steve, for, for uh, sharing your insights on, on how to uh, give better feedback, how to receive feedback in a better way. And uh, hopefully we'll have you back for a future episode. I look forward to it very much, my friend. Thank you. Thanks, Steve. Take care. Thanks for joining us on the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier, the podcast. If you like the podcast, please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you found this podcast. And if you can give us a review, that would be very appreciated. Feel free to contact me on LinkedIn at Luki Danu, L-U-K-I-D-A-N-U, and the same on most social media platforms. And I look forward to hearing from you. 
Thanks. Bye.